that concludes our pick segment for week one. Our, our first and only wheel route consensus pick of the year to this point, TCU yep. minus 20.5. That does not mean that our listeners should fire all their bullets at it. that. That is just an observation. <laughs> I, I really I really hate that, too, because I can see the headlines now, like – Coach Prime, you know, leads leads oh, yeah. <laughs> like they just win the game out. New or era, they'll get yeah. like twenty seconds. Like and then but, they'll be yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll be ranked next week yeah. because they beat TCU. That's replacing like every important player uh, off yeah. of a team that made the playoff. <laughs> what we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast. This is mildly legitimate conversation amongst friends and lovers about college football and lifestyle. We're coming to you guys, well, I should say, we come to you guys on the internet at www.thewheelroute.com. Uh, you can send us emails to wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. You can download the show from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Google Pod Center, Stitcher, etc., cetera, um, et cetera. Is Stitcher still out there? Does anyone know if Stitcher's still out there getting it done? Haven't checked. Hmm. Could not tell you. Felix Stitcher was the thing for a minute. Anyhow, my name is Logan Whitehouse. I'm coming to you guys from Stewart, Florida. I'm on Twitter at Logwan the Dawn. And uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to to announce. Nice long football laden weekend here. Uh, weather is you know dipping down below the heat index every day range, which is nice. Um, we do continue to keep a BDI planted on the tropics. Um, but yeah, it smells like football out there these days, which is nice. Who else is here? My name is Jordan Shank. This evening I am in Las Vegas, Nevada. I am on twitter.com at Shank Jordan. Uh, very excited to officially announce the return of Clemsoning as a verb or an adverb or whatever that part of the English language it is. I think it's verb or a gerund if you're That's, using if, if you're using it as a as a, as the subject of a uh, of a sentence well i knew you would know logan so right no, That's why I, i'm not sure I that it, is that what a gerund is isn't isn't words that end in ing like that like a, a verb that you use like clemsoning is a thing i thought gerund was the one that i should probably know this i thought uh, the community oh no i have it confused you're right. you're right yeah i mean i knew it was but it's fine um What's the one that's like whatever the log? Oh, a pronoun? Like above the log, under the log, around the log, through the log. Not that's not a pronoun. That's a preposition. Jesus, yeah. preposition. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Prepositional anyway. phrase. The log is the subject of the prepositional phrase. You go through the log. You go over the so log. So welcome everybody to your SAT uh-huh. prep episode yeah. of the Wheel Route. In featuring a, just a colossal gaff, to... calling it a pronoun too. Jeez Louise, you would think in today's day to... and age, I would know what my pronouns are. Am I right? <laughs> Got him. Who else is here? Who else is here? My name is Jason Crack. I am coming to you against my will from Harrisonburg, Virginia, um, where it has just been, and we, I think we are like going straight into just a preposterous heat wave. Um. I think Lucky we're supposed to average like we're supposed to average like a high of 90 
seven or eight the next like four days or something. So mm. we're going to get toasty. It was, uh, we are also, uh, as of yesterday or possibly the weekend, um, in drought conditions in Harrisonburg. So open, open fires have been banned. Um, it's firm and, I, it's firm and fast out there on the links. I, think, I just got back. It is crispy. <laughs> v crispy. That's how the game is meant to be played. You got to remember that. Could, uh, could use the greens were great. Green's weirdly fluffy. Everything else is burnt out. So the driver was running today. That's about all that was running. <laughs> Very good. Well, gentlemen, are you guys drinking anything tonight? Celebratory Las Vegas drinks, um, sad Harrisonburg drinks. Otherwise, any, anyone else got anything? Uh, yeah, I've got a mixed drink tonight. This is Ooh. a uh, Buffalo Trace and Coke Zero. Um for all, for all the bourbon heads who partake in this uh, podcast, Buffalo Trace, very difficult to find in the Commonwealth of Virginia. It is a limited release drop item that stays on the shelf for maybe a full 24 hours, if that, when it gets released. Uh, this it's is everywhere here in Las Vegas. It's wild. Uh, <laughs> this is just paid- standard, standard mash Buffalo Trace, nothing special. Yep, no no bells and whistles. I paid $23 for a 750 milliliter bottle of Buffalo Trace today. How much so how much room in how much room in your bag have you left for various smuggling? Well, there's a weight issue there that uh volume I didn't say it was going to be easy, Jordan. I asked how much room you left in your bag. So well, if your golf club bag didn't weigh a metric ton, then you know, you would be able to fit more booze inside it. This is what well, I'm saying. Take those, golf, take those iron head covers out. You'll have room for it. When my <laughs> golf bag got weighed today, the golf bag and hard shell case weighed in at 39 and a half pounds this wow. morning in Bismarck, nice. North Dakota. Sounds um, like you have plenty of room for my, my big rolling suitcase uh, just snuck in at 49.5. So. <laughs> All those, all those golf outfits <laughs> taking up a lot of room. I mean, I got two pairs of golf shoes in there. I got enough yeah. underwear to last me three months. It's right. <laughs> naturally, naturally. You got you, you a plan for that, especially in Vegas of all places. Right. In Bismarck. They don't call it Hashmark North Dakota, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right. Um, Jason, what are you drinking, man? <laughs> You're so bad tonight. Um, <laughs> I I just have a delicious Bud Light. It's wonderful. Oh, it's a spot. Right Good for you. Very refreshing after nine holes of golf. Um, it can it it has been and continues to be skinny boy season over here. So I'm just slurping on some water. Um, but you know, one one day, one day I'll partake. Looking looking forward to that. Jordan, uh, Buffalo Trace is fairly easy to track down down here as well. Just FYI, if you need to. Okay. If you, if you just, just, if you need the arms dealer to uh, do any why, wrangling for you. Jordan, why is it so, why is it so limited in Virginia? Is it just because of the ABC stuff? Uh, part of it's I'm, ABC stuff, but yeah. I think part of it's just like regional hype and what people in the area like. And then you get some artificial scarcity where, yeah. oh, this doesn't last long. I see it. I better get it. Um, it can I jump in upon itself. Real, real quick, Connor 
former former booze dealer Connor That's right. told me that there is a uh, that there is a restaurant group in the Commonwealth that evidently like gets a certain percentage of the allotment of Buffalo Trace for themselves um, in that that goes into the Commonwealth. So therefore. Hmm. I think Jordan, that might be playing into your artificial scarcity thing. Like they, like, they get it for like their, all the like, prime cuts go to the steakhouses and that oh sort yeah, of thing. I think all yeah. all bottles are like that. Like they they cut off a slice for sure restaurants. I mean, I, I would yeah, I would believe that would be true. But for whatever reason, it seems the Buffalo Trace was hit harder. At least that's how Connor was explaining it to me. Well, Connor can call in and correct the record. Shading, shady dealings in the Commonwealth would not surprise me. <laughs> right okay um yep i'm on the water as discussed very nice jordan so um just bring us up to speed on your trip here north dakota las vegas by way of north dakota any any other dakotas uh yeah so i flew into bismarck north dakota Mm -hmm. on saturday um fished and caught enough of a fish on sunday to check South uh, North Dakota off the list, um, did the same thing Monday yesterday in South Dakota. Um, so that was more of a hit and run, catch the fish, exit left trip. Yeah, but beautiful scenery out there. My goodness, yes, just rolling prairies. You get some buttes, uh, a lot of sunflower farming out in North no. Dakota. Which I was wow. surprised by. Did you keep that keep that uh, ranch powder on you just in case you found a flower you needed to roll up on? No, I did not. Okay, that would have been funny had you done that. Yeah. Um, excellent, Jason. Any anything to report on your end? Not much. Getting excited uh, for a, a weekend in Charlottesville, I hear. Yeah, I'll be present. I'll be live and in living color at Scott Stadium, which. We can talk about more in depth later, but yeah, very excited. Bunch of, Corresponding. Bunch of friends growing, huh? Corresponding live. That's, That's right. Awesome. I will be on the ground. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, let's jump into. Uh, we're gonna do mega episode here today. It is Tuesday, the day after Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to all you people out there. Thank you for your labors, um, and happy official end of summer to some. And sounds like Jason and jordan in harrisonburg jordan's not there jason happy summer to you uh it's gonna get hot there for a couple of days i'm guessing so oh, it's um, still hot out here don't you worry i can can't confirm it's still hot <laughs> in the desert got it uh we will whip around quickly through the games talk about picks and then we're gonna jump right into picking some games for next or talking about next week as well we'll get back to a normal schedule i'm hoping next weekend but uh yeah the boys are on the move this week so we gotta we gotta get it in where we can um, so let's get to it. Did any of you guys take in any of the beautiful Nebraska at Minnesota game on Thursday night? Or were you like me slogging through Florida, Utah? I feel I, like I, I did, did but I don't remember any part of it. Hmm. It had a weird ending, a right? Lot of, yeah, it was, I can uh, reacquaint myself. There was a toe tap, a really hmm. well done toe tap that yes. provided the go ahead score for the Gophers. Um, I thought Nebraska looked surprisingly competent for game one under new regime. Um, Jeff Sims, formerly of Georgia Tech, I believe, uh, yep. was using his legs to, to very efficient effect. So 
We'll, we'll keep a BDI on Nebraska, as Logan likes to say. I think we're going to um, have to. Yeah. If they can get over the hump of this, like, oh, they here are comes another snake gutting in the loss, forest. Yep. Then they could be reckoned with at some point. You want to play guess the maximum Nebraska win probability? Wait, what do you mean? Oh, during the game? Yeah. So at uh, Wait, with five oh three, with it was thirteen ten Minnesota, with right. five oh three left in the game, Nebraska led ten to three, and Jeff Sims completed a pass to give them a first down uh, near midfield. Let's go so, ahead well, and give them an eighty nine point six. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Like in in the uh, eighty upper eighties range, I like that. You were more pessimistic. The win probability was ninety four percent at that moment. Okay, right. based on based on not watching Nebraska, evidently. Well, I don't know that they have calibrated for the general corn huskerness uh, of the last two. <laughs> Magic years. Nebraska dust in the algorithm. Got to hone that algorithm, boys. <laughs> Anyhow, all right. Well, good for Minnesota. I suppose they always seem to be solid enough to spry move things along so excellent Miami was at Miami and Miami took down Miami nothing really uh that remarkable there I think Miami Florida uh we can we can stop the silly joke uh yeah they better athletes than Miami of Ohio turns out um threw it around uh yeah I I don't I don't know that it was like a dominating performance in that like they you know they didn't score 80 points like Oregon did uh but they scored enough to do the thing so good for them <clears throat> Stanford was at Hawaii I think Stanford took care of business here I actually was meaning to look this up and they kind did. of lost track but uh Stanford offense looking not as Stanfordish as uh as they had before so good for them uh UVA our boys in orange and blue were at Tennessee uh, this just, um, was not awesome. I mean, just to kind of, I think it, it went really... about the way we sort of thought it was going to go. Tennessee yeah. did cover the large spread UVA, um, was kind of hanging tough in that, doing that, like middle of the second quarter, it was like 14 to seven or I don't know, 10 to nothing or something. And it was kind of like, huh, this is interesting. UVA's defense, like was getting them off the field a little bit. UVA's offense could do nothing in the first half. Um, it was, that was tough to watch um i wouldn't i, think, I wouldn't limit it to the first half but well yeah I mean, when, yeah. when it was close they could they, but could no, they, they looked they looked game they were it was 14-3 with a minute 40 left yeah in the first and then half and then tennessee, tennessee marched the field did you know, the classic so tennessee drive yeah um joe milton was fine uh 201 passing yards two touchdowns on the game nothing crazy there was like a surefire probably 75 yard touchdown that was dropped so if you make it 275 and three touchdowns, then that's probably a, a better game on paper than he played. But um, I don't know. We're going to continue to find out about Joe Milton throughout this year because yeah. um, I think his his physical sk- skill set certainly precedes his like effectiveness, which is interesting. We can mo- we can monitor the situation. This is yeah, a twelve week we, project. We, cer- we certainly will. I don't know that UVA like playing against the UVA offensive and defensive lines is a great uh, measure for 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 success for an SEC program either. But um, yeah, okie dokie. Boise was at Washington. I watched the beginning of this one and I thought Boise looked awesome. They were they were moving it along and then Washington absolutely put the hammer on them. So 
good for Washington. I don't necessarily think that this means Boise like sucks. Um, I think Washington might be really good. So we'll keep an eye on that situation yeah, they, as well. Phoenix definitely, I, I think I only saw right in their like little salvo there in the second quarter, but Phoenix did not look enjoyable to defend against. Um, nor did that entire offense, really. But yeah, DeBoer's, DeBoer's got to go. value on. picks for the Heisman Trophy from the last episode? Mm. Michael Phoenix. That's right. But I think Westford. I think in week one, like we in general saw the value of having a returning quarterback and consistency and the system you have in place and schools that didn't experience a lot of turnover or change there did well and covered most of their spreads and teams that are going through some learning curves had some hiccups. Yeah, probably yep. true. Except Agreed. for like the, the not- notable, like gigantic, uh, transfer portal teams like Colorado and Texas state. Um, good for both of them. Really, really got spoiler alert. Good weekends for them. Um, West Virginia at Penn state. I think this was a, a fairly ho-hum took care of business win for Penn state Drew Aller looks game and uh, Penn state with like slightly more dynamic quarterback than usual could be, uh, could be interesting. Feisty even. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, Old Dominion at VPI. Uh, this one was close for a little bit, but VPI sort of did what they probably should do there and and pulled away. So I don't I don't have I didn't watch a second of this one. Uh, I'll be honest. I watched a good amount of this. Um, Oof! Why? I don't. I don't know. It was like it was on the suite, and it's fine. Um, it was close enough to be watchable. For, monitor, yeah, sure. Yeah, it wasn't a bad football game. It was there was like not really. There was not a significant difference in team speed, which Mickey Rain was uh, getting fired up, chewing out officials. Well, they're like the what Rain and 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 Pryor, like BFFs for life. I think they were both at Penn State together and all that. So they're James Franklin boys from way back. Um, But but yeah, like you looked very game. Um, They were only down six uh, midway through the third. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's it was it was strange and like very much a sign of the times how much like Virginia Tech, like they sold out the game. They celebrated a lot. They like it was very interesting. Of like, oh, this would not have been this the case in like 2011. Now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a perfectly fine mid-major football game. Love to see it. Mostly, um, we mentioned it earlier, but uh, Baylor did go down to Texas State. Uh, this weekend so uh, Baylor, uh, got Baylor got beaten yeah they, they got run up on but but yeah. I think it was one of those like they may, may have scored late to like make it appear a little closer than it actually was but I think it was like 42 24 at one point I looked up it, were, it was yeah that's correct uh the the coach of Texas State is that is his name GJ Kinney evidently he yeah he, he brings the juice a lot of uh he's like the new uh Texas high school liaison football coach guy New, new Texas high school football liaison coach guy just dropped, guys. I don't know if you heard. His name is G.J. Kinney. So. <laughs> he is uh, – he's our age. He is our age of, like, high mm. school and college. Mm. Um, and, yeah, he came from Incarnate Word last year age. and was pretty yeah. good. Huh. So. Well, good for yeah, him. Yeah, he's fun. They were on a fun offense. I think – I want to say 
I'm pretty sure he got the offense like he adapted Malzahn's offense. That's cool. I am envious of teams that run fun offenses. I that's fair. At this point, I'm yeah. having some personal problems. I guess we're gonna. I guess we're gonna. T- we're gonna talk about that. We're, we're so we'll get. Speaking of teams that don't run fun offenses, we we had uh, we had our first picker of the week. Uh, this was I'll just, University. Of I'll Florida. interject. Go I'll ahead. interject here to say that JMU took care of business against Bucknell. Uh, okay. It was not the prettiest game, but the Dukes won. Thank you. We've got a little okay. bit of little bit of quarterback awkwardness at James Madison at the moment. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what they say, Jason. Yeah. If you have two quarterbacks, you might one of them might be Chris Lee. Um, one of them might be Chris Lee. I would like to point out Chris Lee gets unfairly castigated in this dude, in this in that, this freaking Swamp Kings. I told they you. make it seem like they like won in spite of Chris Lee. Chris yeah. Lee is like the all-time leading passer at the University yeah. of Florida for a while. Get this out of here! By, this is why I meant by Uncle Urban and Uncle Tim tell stories because like Chris Lee was a very very good quarterback, and it makes it seem like. Like, God, he just wouldn't get out of Tim's way. He just held on. And it's like, it was real gross. It's Super like, I mean, gross. Or Tim Tebow couldn't beat out freaking Chris Leak, who evidently, like, had the Tommy Reese pop gun arm and, like, you know, just made bad decisions all the time. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. What, it was, I mean, I remember being gross. frustrated. I remember Got being the ball frustrated. Got down onto the four so Tim could run it in and scream and just, at the face. Yeah. <laughs> super, super, super gross job by that documentary <laughs> in about 12 different ways. Yeah. Yeah, anyhow. And also Anyways. just it really dropped at a really bad time in my life personally for <laughs> me to, to for me to experience like the absolute peak of my <laughs> of my sports watching and then have to watch Florida and Utah on Thursday night. <laughs> You'd be like, well, <laughs> here we are. This is what we have. Yep. So anyhow, really, um really primed the pump there. Really, yeah. Thank you. Utah comes in as four and a half point favorites at home and uh Takes care of business. They cover the final score is twenty four to eleven in this game. This is, just, um, it this feels is not like, an aesthetically pleasing football no. game, and uh, to be fair, none of us expected it. But man, it's something to see. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Florida looked just kind of all around unprepared. I don't know if it's for the atmosphere or for plays to be run um, or Elevation. or what. A lot of <laughs> there was there was a lot of uh, the hurricane was in their head. Um, there there was a lot of procedural penalties on Florida. There's some special teams blunders. Um, a lot of the same sort of issues that we were not so happy with Florida with last year continued to be issues. Um, I don't think it was all terrible for the Gators. I think 24 to 11 is you know your one score of any type away from being kind of right back in the game and uh they uh were, were incapable of, of doing that so um just touching on the florida was, stuff here go ahead jason so uh, yeah before you get your thesis no, no, off, fine, here, um that like i remember looking up in the fourth quarter and florida was outgaining utah and they did they outgained yeah. them by by 76 yards but they couldn't run the ball Correct. And it just seemed like they could not, they couldn't get that one play at the right time to either like advance the drive that they really needed to keep going or like provide any sort of excitement. And it just seemed like the air was slowly coming out of it. And so um, yeah, it was a very weird game. And I, I think Utah played the exact game that they wanted to play. And yes. It's yes. really, it's really hard to beat Utah when they get to play the exact game they want to play. Right. Jordan, do you have any 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 takes on this? It was kind of gross. Yeah, no, I thought watching the first half especially, it was strange. Like Florida's first two drives, I remember thinking, man, this play calling looks disjointed 
and clunky. And then it's like after they got off the quote unquote script, like it felt like things breathed mm-hmm. a little better. Things looked a little more fluid and dynamic, um, but it didn't stay that way for the the duration of the game, which is potentially concerning. Um, yeah. I also, th- and, and that's hard to call, you know, a smooth game if your run game isn't giving you what you maybe expect it to or need it to. Um, the, the mistakes penalties point, I come back to the, the coachism of like, well, you can excuse, you know, aggressive penalties or like guys trying to make a play, but it's like, this is procedural getting lined up like discipline stuff that's going wrong. And that is also uh, quizzical that it's happening in, in the first game of the season of, of year two for Billy. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's <clears throat> well said all around. Um, I counted, I think there was at least three different like third and ones that Florida converted the play on the field. And there was either, and I think there was a, a illegal formations called on the plays. Uh, not great. Um, there was a, a couple false starts on a third and ones. You miss a field goal down in, in the close to the end zone. Can't really get the ball in the end zone, which is sort of the issue with the, like, you know, we're hearkening back to the Dan Mullen days where he used to stand up there and be like, well, you know, we outgained them, but you know, we, we lost by, you know, 15 points. So um, I don't necessarily think there's any, shame in losing this game it's just sort of the, the manner in yeah. which florida lost the game is really right. i think what's the most troubling thing uh to me so I, I i do think florida's defense looked a lot better than they looked last year um first play of the game aside utah went up top and there was kind of a, a classic comedy of errors uh, uh dbs ran into each other uh safety got sucked in and the ball went over his head and it was a touchdown first play of the game so that was a bit of a, a, a gut punch but outside of that i mean I thought Florida's defense was pretty game. Um, granted, you were playing not against Cam Rising, but uh, I thought the defense kept them in it. And, you know, the one sort of long touchdown drive that Utah had was uh, a drive that was, I guess, given life by a <laughs> two, uh, a uniform violation on the Florida punt coverage team yeah. in which there were two number threes out there because evidently – you guys might think this is funny. I certainly think it's funny. Maybe not funny, haha, funny, interesting. But uh, um, Trey Wilson, young receiver, looks really good. By the way, I think he's going to be he's going to be really good, very fast, very dynamic. But was wearing number three. Jason Marshall on the t on the corner was also wearing number three on the field. Evidently, uh, Trey Wilson had been wearing twenty one in camp and switched to three before the game. So you, you should get that coordinated. However. Mr. 21, Desmond Watson, big 480-pound defensive tackle Desmond Watson, was also on the field at that play. So you would have got the penalty called on you regardless of which number the guy was wearing. Uh, of note, Florida does not have an on-field special teams coach. Just FYI. So, anyhow, um, I, it doesn't have to be all about Florida. I think I think there's plenty of good out of Florida. They moved the ball well. The, the offense had moments. I don't think Graham Mertz is a liability, which is nice to say. Um, yeah. But they, they got some some growing to do. Utah, to Jason's point, I think just played their game. They came in with a more solid plan than Florida and uh, were able to execute and kind of just end up leaning on the game to close it down. Um, I thought Utah was more dangerous when their backup backup quarterback was playing than when their starter was playing. Um, now, 
the third string guy did some wild, like seemed to like drop the football randomly and stuff, which is not <laughs> what you want to do. Okay. You, but you uh, still need some seasoning. Yes. They were a lot more dynamic, I would say, when he was in. So, um, yeah, but they, they look well, good. I, I don't know Utah's if Utah's credit, they also managed that quarterback rotation fairly yes. effectively in that game. Um, I think it's well said. I think Whittingham almost bailed Florida out when there were, it was either a turnover or a penalty that Utah got the ball back and third stringer had been in the game, was moving the ball pretty well. They put the starter, Cam Rising's back up in for like two yeah. plays. And then it's like the light bulb went on. He was like, oh, no, this isn't, this isn't what I should have done. And Shouldn't sent, have done this. Yeah. Sent guy back in mid-series and kind of righted the ship there. But Right. But anyhow, Florida has a, a bad turnover in, in the shadow of their own end zone um, after a dubious uh, decision by a punt returner to catch the ball at like the five-yard line. And, um, you know. Uh, they're just yeah Florida made too many mistakes of which some were unlucky and some were self-inflicted to uh to think that they were gonna have a chance to win this game so anyhow we've talked about this one for too long not beautiful the Gators have McNeese this week so hopefully they have an opportunity to um you know do some practicing it looks like they could use some practicing not sure they did a lot of that before it would appear that they didn't do a lot of that um my global just real quick my global take here I'm not a Billy Napier does not have the goods guy i do continue and i think i mentioned this last year to wonder if maybe billy napier is spreading himself a bit too thin um he is the quarterback's coach he is the offensive play caller he is the offensive coordinator he is also the um head of the recruiting operation that's like clicking better than it's clicked since the urban meyer days so uh that's a lot for one man to do i think we recall Nick Saban's and Kirby Smart's and people like that kind of having to, I mean, not that Nick Saban was calling plays, but, or Kirby even for that matter, but they kind of like have to make some decisions on what they're going to focus their energies on in order for their team to succeed. And I think we might be getting to that point with, with Billy Napier in Florida. I would be interested in them exploring a different play caller option. What's Jeff Scott up to? Evidently they're boys, right? Um, Or, uh, and you know, I, I think it might be a good idea to have a special teams coach. So, you know, I know it's cool to have two offensive line coaches, but maybe we don't need two on field offensive line coaches. Just a thought. All right. That's all I got. We'll move on to the game of the weekend, Colorado, the golden Buffaloes at TCU in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex greater, uh, area. Um, just a humdinger of a game. My gosh. My gosh, pal. Uh, <laughs> Colorado looks like really dangerous on offense, and they they certainly have some dudes on the on the team. They might not have dudes on their line, but they have dudes on the team, and uh, and it was it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. So I I first want to say I may have to open this episode by just replaying your clip from last week, Logan, where you say, "Oh, here we go." Dion's going to win it. And yeah, I can see it now in hot water. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so. Oh, and first... they're ranked and they are ranked. They do enter this yeah, week right. ranked number It 22. all happened exactly. Yeah. <laughs> as we, as, as we sarcastically joked about. So first let this serve as a formal 
apology to Dion and those young the men. Group, the group-wide mea culpa. Yeah. Our bad, bro. Um, mm. I am interested in gut reaction from you two. Is this more of a uh, wow, Colorado oh. really has it or wow, TCU really lost a lot and it's hard to replace that. Where where does your sliding scale land between I'm those gonna, two ends of the spectrum? I'm stubbornly going to put myself probably 70-30 towards while TCU lost a lot. I, I think I'm with you on that. Jason, you mentioned this in the group chat. We forgot Kendall Bryles calling plays for TCU yep. also. He yep. is he is like well known for forgetting to run the football um when when that would make sense tc was having a ton of success running the football in this game had they stuck to that i think they would have won um they scored 42 points as it was so it's a little like it feels a little nitpicky to be like riles didn't call a good game but given how your defense is just getting absolutely filleted you probably need to try to take some air out of the game and they they did not even attempt to do that um and yeah i mean quarterback took a little bit to get going but then he ended up being mostly fine um it came down to a couple turnovers right i mean that hunter interception on the little like rail route at the end zone was insane i mean yeah that guy's a freak so <laughs> yeah what did, he yeah. played like 115 snaps total. Mm-hmm. i think it was like so 119 many. officially or something like that um, which is crazy, I and he's ready, ready to roll. I mean, I mean, also shout out to the coach, shout out to to Prime and the coaching staff for actually doing that too. Because I mean, yeah, he wants to play. I mean, it wasn't like he was like limping and dragging himself around out there. I don't think that's sustainable. However, I I don't know. I I think like they wanted to win the game, so that's cool. Yeah, I think I think that's the like, and we can God, we could do an entire other podcast about like Coach Prime himself and like the. <laughs> Uh, antics seems that's the wrong word to use, but like just how he is surrounding um, coach prime. Right. And and we are as three upper middle class white guys, uh, probably not even the best to opine on that, but like I was upper middle class, the best. (laughs) I'm not white. So the, uh, the, like the best version of Dion was like, was like him going into halftime and like sizing up his dudes and being like, yeah, we like we missed Travis Hunter on two deep balls, and if we hit him on those deep balls, the Heisman's chilling in his house, and like that—that that was funny. That was good prime. Um, but like, yeah, that dude is lives up to the billing. Um, and it's not that shot like he was the number one recruit in the country. It makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, no, like, he was. To see it is a whole another thing, and and also to circle back, I I do think this was a wild matchup of offensive coordinators. Um, yeah, John to have, Lewis to have Browns on one side. Sean Lewis threw a no hitter. I mean, that was that was incredible. Like he knew, even depleted TCU, like TCU was going to have the advantage of the defensive line against his offensive line, and he moved Sanders around back there. He got him out of the pocket. He got the ball out quick into space to his freak athletes. And like I don't, I don't know that he could have called a better game. Um, yeah, and I think that like they, those two missed people. They, I think they scored on one of them, but they could have, they could have broken fifty for sure. And like that was that was a, a remarkable performance. And yeah, Gary Patterson did not die for this TCU defensive effort this yes, weekend. Sorry, All right. did not it die. was it he was not was not good. Uh, the it yeah it left a lot to be desired. I think we it's well documented that TCU lost a lot um, after 
having the best season that they're probably ever going to have last year. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think, uh, Colorado certainly looks dangerous. Um, I'm interested to see like with a little bit of, uh, I think they'll probably be able to score on almost anybody given sort of the way they're doing this. But I think that there are probably ways you could take it to them. Their defense just looks a little light. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that they, they probably are going to get pushed around by some, some bigger teams, but if I still you know, do, I still do think Utah is a absolutely horrifying matchup for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I, I, I would, let's just to be say fair, though, they're a pretty horrifying matchup for like, 120 of the FBS teams. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, ask USC, right? I mean, for some reason, yeah. Utah just bashes their brains into. So anyhow, all right. Well, Colorado uh, plays Nebraska this upcoming week. Spoiler. We'll, we'll talk about that one. Um, that the okay. Important. Oh yeah, we would sort of back. Sorry. Good we, we, no, we'll keep we'll keep it going here. North Carolina was at USC East. Um, they weren't there. They were in Charlotte, but I guess it was officially, unofficially, a home game for USC East. New ACC to say. headquarters. Uh, Central is in Charlotte now. Gotcha. Um, North Carolina, uh, given some of the other ACC team performances we saw this weekend, uh, I've got my eyes on North Carolina. This is a strong performance. I don't know if, you know, I, I, I would like to say that I attempted to pour a little bit of cold water on the South Carolina hype train. Maybe it was 40% hater. Um, but <laughs> I don't, I also don't think that South Carolina was necessarily, uh, had, had like done a lot or added a lot that was going to make them like a lot better. Um, and I think that South Carolina was probably what their entire body of work last year was not just what the last two games were. And uh, I think that showed up today. Uh, North Carolina dominated the defensive line for North Carolina looked really good. Uh, I'm not used to seeing a North Carolina defense be uh, adequate and up to snuff and kind of push the game around. Drake may as advertised looks really good. North Carolina was pretty much able to move the ball like they wanted to and, and ran away and hid in this one. Yeah, I think I said it in my pick, but I think South Carolina's best chance was to make this game as weird as possible, and I, I don't think they did. I think North Carolina just controlled the game and kept things in the box and um, kept Rattler under control. They were pretty much in his face every single play. I think they had nine sacks, and he still had to deliver a lot of balls like with a dude in his face. Um, so I think – yeah, I think North Carolina just kind of kept them in in the grip, and that I don't He's think South Carolina Spencer Rattler's got to go down as having one of the like weirdest uh, like top flight quarterback trajectories of, that we've ever seen, right? I mean, we've oh, seen yeah. guys like get injured and go away or or like retire, but like I think he he is like the odds on favorite to win the Heisman in like 2019 or something, which seems like like a long time ago at this point. And he's now just like kind of a middling SEC quarterback at South Carolina, just like getting blasted (laughs) eight times a game. I mean, it was very interesting. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't know. South Carolina will probably be fine and and scare somebody and continue to have the season. They're going to, that they, they typically have. Right. Clemson. Sure. Yeah, I I don't know if that North Carolina defensive performance and box score is necessarily like what we should expect from them moving forward this season. They are going to play some bad O-lines in the ACC for sure, but I think uh, hearing the commentary during the game, it sounded like South Carolina is having some shuffling to do among the O-line room 
um, which I did not know making my pick. So that's on me. Got to <laughs> got to dig deeper so into the fact. We'll, we'll wipe that one off the record. That doesn't count. I I was also concerned about my pick from the first play of scrimmage uh, for South Carolina <laughs> on offense when they called a gadget play, like. Oh, guys, like we're resorting to this already. Like, I know it's a fun, like, oh, yeah, we can strike quick, but like, you're not confident enough in your own base stuff that you, you got to run a gadget out of the gate that I'm, I am concerned. So, yeah, I mean, it's not even like you're taking the, the charity deep shot. You're just, or like, you know, throwing the go on the sideline. You're, you're running the full gadget. So, yeah, I mean, but you know, that's Beamer ball, man. Winning in the margins. Uh, I did see a clip of Shane complaining about the chain gang eating hot dogs. During <laughs> that was hilarious. They, they, yeah, the start of second half was delayed because the chain gang <laughs> was late coming out on the field, which was so funny. The announcers were like giggling about it. I don't know who it was, like Joe Tess or someone on the call was like, I've never seen that one before. I got to be honest, in all my years of doing this, the chain gang has never been late. But yeah, it was it was pretty hilarious. But It was a great uh, onside kick to, to open yeah. the second half, though. It was, and yeah. When they did not capitalize on that, it seemed like really, well, yeah. Did they go three and out? <laughs> did they go three and out after receiving the onside kick, or did they? Did they? I, I, I feel like I they might they have gone for it on fourth and missed. Okay, yeah. Or it was one of those like there was a, a a penalty or something, and they ended up like having getting forced to punch or something. Yeah. <laughs> that, it was a really good onside kick. I love the onside kick where the kicker recovers it and the ball is just like hovering next to him and he's running and you could see the panic building as he's like approaching the normal size people. <laughs> you know, he was like, oh no, this is, is going to be a car accident. Go down, go down, go down, go down, go down. <laughs> Get it. So very well done. Um, I think I was just, I was impressed with North Carolina. I thought they, they were tougher than I expected them to be. Um, yeah. Given some of the North Carolina teams I've seen in the past. Uh, okay. Now, speaking of teams who were not as tough as I would have expected them to be, uh, LSU made the trip to Orlando to take on the Florida State fighting Seminoles in a top 10 matchup. So it's like number five versus number eight. Um, LSU two and a half point favorite and FSU just absolutely let the chopper sing on them in the second half of this game. Uh, the Noles look very dangerous is sort of my my takeaway you know, hand up. That's on me. This is a Tron Carter, Tron Carter apology <laughs> that I need to offer up to Noel Nation. Um, didn't believe. I, you know, Florida State got away with some stuff in this game. All right, let's call it. <laughs> they, 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 they did. <laughs> LSU uh, rightfully went for it deep in Florida State territory a couple times in the first half, and uh, Florida State stood. There were some sort of odd Jordan Travis decision-making at various points in this game, including one like weirdly hucked ball over the middle that like somehow two LSU defensive players both swatted at and like swatted it, the ball into each other and nobody picked it off. Um, you know, all three of those things go different. Maybe LSU is in the game, but Florida state looked so good in the second half after that Travis settled down. Um, Florida state has receivers. Their running backs look good. Uh, their defense looks fine. Um, I didn't really think that LSU was bringing a lot to the table. Um, it's hard to think that FSU isn't your likely 
ACC representative in some sort of large fashion. Given again, given what we've seen uh, out of some that. other ACC teams, um, they do not have to play North Carolina this season in the regular season. Also, FYI. Oh, and they nugget for you. Are they in the same division or no? They're not doing divisions. They're, they're not doing divisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. RIP Coastal Madness. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think I watched. I forget how much of this game I watched. I know I turned it off in the fourth quarter because it was just hideous. Yeah, I went to bed. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I I can't add much. Florida State looked really good. I I, I think I turned it on right before Jane Daniels got like pile driven through Ooh. the ground <laughs> when he tried to jump over the line, which everybody learns that lesson exactly one time. Um, but I wonder. I wonder if LSU. That's when you accidentally hit the hurdle button when you're playing the video <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. Oh no, I hit triangle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was a pretty good game for the first half. It was fun and like weird, which is exactly what it's supposed to be. Yes, yes, and it was then, that. And then LSU was just completely inept in the second half. I mean, LSU was up at halftime, right? It was 17, 14 and a half, I think, and then yeah. or it was 14, 13 and a half, one or the other, and then LSU did absolutely nothing until a charity touchdown right at the very end of the game i think um you know right. to 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 cut the score down but florida state yeah. just ran away from them but it was, it was everything it was they were they were calling terrible plays they multiple <laughs> times on third and fourth and short they would run the freaking drag route like two yards short of the marker and like it's mm-hmm. just just heinous offense just awful and florida state yeah, took they seem to put them under the they, stadium LSU seemed to have a tough time. Like they, they would, they, they had some plays that could kind of get the tight end, the ball out on the edge. And he seemed that that was pretty effective for them. Um, neighbors was just like not a factor in this game. And he's supposed to be a good receiver. They, they seem to lack like the ability to like get the ball to like, I remember Jim McElwain used to talk about this when I, w- I would listen to what Jim McElwain had to say, but he's like certain times, like they just have like plays where it's just like, get it to plays. Like there's certain times you need to get the ball to, you know, to neighbors or to, to one of your playmakers, just to even just get him involved in the game. You know what I'm saying? And um, LSU lacked the ability to do that. It didn't seem like they ran it particularly well. Um, we, we saw a lot more Arizona state uh, Jaden Daniels than, um, than the end of last year, Jaden Daniels. And you can still get better, but uh, if you listen to the scuttlebutt around the LSU program, Garrett Nussmeyer is kind of waiting in the wings to play there. And uh um, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU continues to kind of struggle offensively like this if we see a different quarterback for LSU in the next couple games. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting and even more interesting hearing that that they didn't seem to try to intentionally run the ball with Daniels. Like, I get yeah. this is an out-of-conference game. It's your first game of the year. You want to protect guys' health to a degree, but – if you've got a very capable backup who's kind of itching, itching to get his chance, like maybe you're a little more cavalier with calling some QB runs, trying to jumpstart something on mm-hmm. offense because your traditional running game isn't working, your passing game isn't doing much, and it's not creating scramble opportunities for Daniels because Florida State's defending it well, so. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that both teams really kind of seemed to not take advantage of both of those quarterbacks 
strengths in running the football. Yeah, and Florida State ended up not really needing to as much. I think I think Travis did a really good job of extending plays. Um, whereas I think in years past he might have just taken off and gotten the first down yeah. running. He he did a little bit more of extending plays, and uh, 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 like bigger strikes downfield. Johnny Wilson's a big guy. Uh, Florida State had a couple drops themselves too, so it wasn't like LSU was the only like team that made mistakes in this game. But um, it, it seems like LSU certainly was was punished a little bit more in this game for the mistakes they made. I'm curious what LSU is doing with Harold Perkins too. They haven't played like middle linebacker now. Um, that guy was a mess off the edge last year, and you know I don't I don't necessarily want to borrow someone's take here, but uh, just kind of strange that you would potentially. It's a popular be, question. Could, it's kind of strange that you would you know potentially be wasting uh, like an elite talent at, at that skill set, given like modern college football. I don't know if you thought you were going to, you know, spy Jordan Travis with him or something like that. It didn't really seem like that was effective. I just don't know that he's ready to play middle linebacker, like in the sec and run sideline to sideline and, you know, fight, take on blockers and stuff like that. So um, that, that was just curious. It just seems like LSU kind of uh, just came in with like less of a, plan and identity than I, I think I was expecting for a team that finished the year kind of strong last year um, seemed to be on the trajectory up. So uh, good for FSU, I suppose. And finally, the granddaddy of them all. We had Clemson. We had Duke last night. Luckily, I didn't watch a whole lot of this. I was checking up on it, and then I saw the score before I went to bed, and I decided to go to bed. So um, Duke Duke, Duke did it to him. Hmm? Yeah, it was... Hey, Jordan, did you watch the... Yeah, go ahead. I did, and there were a lot of, like, box score tweets today. Um, so I think coming out of this game, you can both give all credit due to the Duke Blue Devils, to Mike Elko, to all of, all of what they did and how they won convincingly over a mm -hmm. top 10 preseason team last night. And you can also make a really strong case that Clemson probably should have won that game. And if they run those results out there 10 more times, like Clemson's going to win more of those 10 than Duke will. Um, We're talking like the, the backbreaking turnovers and stuff like that. Bad out, turnovers, out of bad, just like decisions, weird there was some fumble luck involved, I'm sure. sure. Like, um, so I think, like, you know, me being a Dabo hater, I am extremely tempted to come into this episode and start I'm asking, prepared. should we have the hot seat conversation? <laughs> like, has, has the magic worn off? Um, does he need to be looking over his shoulder? Maybe talking to Coach Saban about some image rehabilitation programs. <laughs> But um, I don't think Clemson's as bad as the score indicates. Sure. Uh, they are one of the teams rolling out a new offensive system. They've got a new starting quarterback. There are going to be some growing pains there. Um, but Duke, like for those who watch SVP's winners segment during his night, nighttime sports center, uh, he took – Duke and the points. So did Stanford Steve. So I felt better about my pick. Um, mm. But SVP said at this point, like Duke knows who they are way more than Clemson does. 
And I think that's a perfect representation of what we saw on Monday night. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, I, I was, I was, my whole thesis was, I think the, like, and it was a popular thing to dunk on online. Like I think Dragonfly Jones retweeted somebody who's like Debo out here got me rooting for Duke. Like there's never been a bigger monster and that sort of thing. Like, <laughs> so I think it was a popular, like, yes. especially as the third and fourth quarter went on and they like kept hitting them with touchdowns and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I do think that um, it was a, a popular thing to be like, oh, Duke is like ending the Clemson dynasty and all this stuff. And I, I, yeah. I do think that's people, yeah. like, or like they, Dabo is a fraud because one right, game is, didn't go like his way. Yeah. Like, I don't, and it was not that, like that kind of talk is hilarious. It wasn't really like bad play calls. Like, just like you said, there were some weird ones. And then, yeah, like they, they had like what four red zone trips and scored 10 points off of them. And yeah. So, like, now, there's not some all luck of there. That and then, is bad luck. There's some like stuff that needs to get cleaned yes. up. Yes. Sure. And sure. Clemson. I'm not saying Clemson should come out of this with no worries at all. Like there, <laughs> there should be some concern, but a healthy amount and not total panic. If yeah. you're a Clemson supporter or staffer. yeah, the little bit that I watched, it seemed like it was it. It's just been interesting, like com- comparing the Clemson teams that were so good, like four or five years ago, to the Clemson teams we've seen recently. It's just like the quality of the receivers is not great, and the obviously the quarterback play has not been as good. And then, you know, so those two things, I think make your play calling appear so much better. Um, Obviously when you have like, you know, I think it's easy to do the, uh, you know, things go a lot better for you when you have multiple generational talents, like back to back, uh, you know, I think that is true. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle of all of these, like kind of like conflicting hot takes that you can have, like Dabo is a fraud. And yes, it's easy when, you know, you, Trevor Lawrence ain't walking through that door and, you know, but they had T Higgins. I mean, they had like some, some, some real NFL caliber receivers that they just, they don't necessarily seem to have any like big guys out there that they can kind of like throw it up to. It doesn't seem like they're really willing to do that. Um, like I said, new system. So maybe it's going to take a little bit of time to gel, but uh was a little surprised. They weren't able to drum up more than seven points. Well, and Bud Elliott has made the point in the past that like, for whatever reason, wide receiver is not a position of target for them in the transfer portal, um, which led me to, conspiracy theorized like Dabo played wide what receiver else would you yeah college, he's a wide receivers coach right? that's that was that I mean that's what he did positionally so he, he was never yeah. a coordinator he was a wide receivers coach right yeah so how much of how much of them like not really targeting receivers <laughs> I'm gonna coach up the is boys Dabo, <laughs> is Dabo just being like I'm gonna reward the guys who who show up here and stick it out and I don't want to you know, go out and get somebody who's going to take their jobs. Cause I know what I'm guessing, like I'm guessing it's a non-zero percent uh, number, right? Like it might not be yeah. as uh, that, like that it's much, but it's certainly, factor, yes, but yes, but it, it can I contribute. I would wager a guess that it is a factor. Right. So, all right. Well, we'll, you know, I think, like you said, Jordan Clemson, likely we, we kind of do this doom and gloom thing with Clemson, I think, cause we saw it at its absolute peak and it appeared that they had like turned into Alabama or, you know, what Georgia now is. And, you know, maybe they've, they've had a little bit of a blip here. They still come somehow like grind out like nine or 10 wins a year, which credit to them. Right. That's yeah, awesome. Like this, this is not a playoff team. Um, no. And not right now. 
<laughs> they have they have a lot of work to do to get back to being a consistent playoff program, but they're right. also not like in danger of going five and seven and six and six on a yearly basis. Sure. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that takes us to the end of week one. Um, I believe if my tallies were correct, Jason and I both went one and four against the spread. You know, we're building muscle memory. We're, we're getting excited in, you know, these things, these things take time. Jordan, congrats to you. Three and two we don't, against we the don't, spread. We don't quite have our yardages yet. We'll be right. Yeah, it's all about unit allocation anyway. So, you know, that's that's this is what we know. To be. You just got to win one. All right. You know, the old you got, we had to score one to win anyway. Right. So uh, good to go. <laughs> Jason's least favorite thing that a baseball coach would routinely so say. To him. <laughs> it made me so angry. Uh, anyhow. All right. So let's go to week two. You ready? Yeah. Let's whip around real quick. JMU is at UVA in Charlottesville. Jason will be there taking Let's it on. Let's whip around real in... quick and start with the game that we're going to talk about for the longest. <laughs> we don't. I mean, I don't know that there's that much to talk about. I mean, I I, oh, I think what JMU is what seven and a half point favorite on the road. I saw was that seven, what it opened seven at? And a half. Yeah, yeah. So sizable. Um, UVA didn't exactly do a whole lot to make you think that they're going to take the game to anybody. Uh, last week, but defense could be passable for UVA. This could this could be a little grindy, especially if JMU has uh, some quarterback, you know, dalliances and you know maybe is out of rhythm a little bit. But I just I got a tough time thinking that UVA is ready to win football games. I don't I, I don't want to be so doom and gloom, but they don't uh, inspire me in the slightest right now. So I think Jordan, go you go first. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I have nothing to offer from a, like, roster analysis or uh, schematic approach. Um, I just want to talk about the hashtag board on this game. Um, I had said before the season, I knew I was going to be in Vegas where I could wager on oh, yeah. contests involving... This is why, I, this is why the schedule involving is like Commonwealth this. Sport, yeah. uh, sports and schools. So I was prepped to come out here, place a JMU Moneyline wager at plus odds for an effective emotional hedge. Um, I think the lines that I saw pre-week zero and week one were essentially the mirror of what we have now. I think UVA was favored by a touchdown. JMU was about plus 200. And then after week one, uh, it has totally swung around. So I, w- I do want to put it on the internet. I have already placed a wager UVA money line plus 228. I'm ready to double down on sadness on Saturday afternoon. Um, we're we're going to ride this thing into the ground or we're going to have a nice, uh, nice dinner on Sunday. A nice <laughs> classic steak dinner. You. Yeah. A no, I don't blame you at dinner. all. I didn't, I did not know that the, the lines were that, heavy in favor of UVA to start with. I I figured all along it was going to be JMU by a couple. Um, and then I, I did not expect it to be up at, I think it opened at six and a half and it's jumped a little bit. No, uh, I, I had seen JMU as a dog before the season. And I remember texting Logan, like, I am concerned that I'm not going to be able to get value on JMU <laughs> because UVA opens with Tennessee. They're going to look like dirt and they're going to be beat up. Yeah, and you know, 
if I could see nope. the rest you of the board it. as clearly as I saw it this time. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man. <laughs> Anyhow, go ahead, Jason. The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have God. If I had a dollar for every time I've gotten asked about this game in the last six months, I would have been unemployed a long time ago. Um, but I think. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I don't know that it's going to be a super fun game to watch. Um, I think UVA's defense looks like uh, I would categorize it as the strength of their team. Um, and Something's got to be the strength. Question marks in the air. Listen, oh, we're great on a curve here. Um, yes. But, and I, I do think that it, the defense is JMU's strength of their team for sure. Um like so, JMU uh, started a freshman this past week against Bucknell at quarterback. Oh, the first thing at, at quarterback, sorry. Okay. Um, over Colorado State transfer, uh, um, Jordan McLeod. Sorry, it's beer. It's you know I'm just obliterated off this half of Bud. Getting pretty emotional. Beer. You're getting pretty emotional talking about it. I understand, man. It's okay. Um, Tears. So. <laughs> they come to me. They have tears in their eyes. Um, so that lasted a half. Uh, Alonzo did not. He he was a little wild. Um, Coach Signetti actually pretty transparently described it as it looked like he had the yips, uh, like he was kind of like kind of freezing up when it came time to throw. Um, but so he gave way. I think one series into the third quarter to Jordan McLeod. Jordan McLeod moved the offense very well. Um, it was Bucknell. We should have moved the offense well anyways. We ran the ball perfectly fine the entire game. We averaged like six, seven a carry. There's no D um, in Bucknell. I've often said this. That's, you've, I, so that's how we got introduced, actually, was you saying. That was your first thing you said to me. Um, so I Jordan McLeod has been announced as a starter for UVA, uh, which I think that that was really the only route to take after the Bucknell game. Um, but we don't know what the offense will look like against a good defense. Um, and so uh, I would expect UVA to stack the box. I would if I were them. But um, I think it's going to be a good a good matchup of, of strength on strength. And um, we won't say weakness on weakness, but we'll say uh, – yeah, I don't know. I don't know how better to say that. But I, I think I don't think it's going to be a super pretty game. Um because it's actually, I guess that's not so strength. Like strength is it? If it's both that's defenses, they're good. Mm. Sounds like Jason's um, so, on the under. Interesting. Interesting. In my, I would never. Um, at least I would never for four days. Uh, but I, th- I think it's going to be kind of, kind of a rough game aesthetically. But yeah. it should be a good one. And and I've always I've said this. I talked about this with Jordan a couple months ago. But like, I don't know how Saturdays. Uh, festivities is absolutely the wrong word to use, but um, how Saturday's events will affect the game. I know there's a 30 minute pregame uh, ceremony for um, the past players, but um, so I, I don't know how that'll affect things. I don't know if people will come out more emotional, fired up, if they'll have been sitting for 30 minutes. I don't think anybody knows how that will affect things, but it, it kind of has to, I would think. Yeah. Um, so uh, I even if I were allowed to, I would have no idea who to bet on. I I think JMU is the more talented and better football team right now, but I don't think that'll mean nearly as much as it does on Saturday. 
Yeah, I took UVA money line because that's where the value seems to be. Uh, I think yeah, if you're I getting totally either if you're getting either team at plus two hundred or better, you should bet yeah. that team. Um, yep. I'll probably put in JMU in some six and seven point teasers to kind of you know cover both sides of the fence here. Um, so but, savvy you are. Yeah. Gosh, I love putting teasers together. <laughs> 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 just watching them lose at 1.30 having, one it, of my, having my whole one of my passions. stress-free <laughs> afternoon after you lose it at 12.23 p.m. And... Defending the option and putting together six-leg teasers. Um, I do think that the game is at noon uh, so at least we yeah. will have it done early in the day. Um, breakfast when this kicks off. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, sounds amazing. Uh, speaking of tough-to-watch football games, El Asico is this weekend. We, right. we oh. just really passed over that one. So, um, I don't think not... we've said Iowa State's name once this <laughs> no. season. I think, I think Iowa State had a close call last week also with whatever um, not ideal opponent they were playing. Uh, so, you know, Mr. Matt Campbell may have – his window <laughs> may be closing. The window? His, his window may be closing. He might be coordinating a defense for like an NFL team here uh, before we know it. So, um, good point. Good point. You just get in the room, couple couple zinny dogs in there, just freaking scheming. Uh, love it. Uh, Auburn takes on it goes to Cal. Now Cal scored a million points. Has to be. I think Spencer Hall said <laughs> he's like, I'm not even gonna look this up, but this has to be the most points Cal has scored under <laughs> under this coach. <laughs> so they scored 58 last week, I believe. Um Whoa. they seem to be frisky. Auburn should be more talented and and well suited to play in this game. But I don't know. Weird night game going across the country, you know, it could be some could be some strange happening. You feel me? I feel you. I'll take it. Jason knows all about that that Saturday Night Strange. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All, all right. right. <laughs> it's uh, SMU is is going to Oklahoma. That one sounded kind of fun to me. Could be pointsy and weird. SMU. I think they kind of dawdled around a little bit against La Tech last week. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, a new ACC member. Uh, SMU, we should That's we right. should point out, um, long you know long standing ACC power, uh, the, the Stangs historic TV revenue for several years, for a right. decade, right? Yeah, uh, joining Cal and Stanford, other notice, notable Atlantic Coast uh, members. They, they should just change their name to the Coastal Conference. And well, Texas. when you think about it, all the oceans touch. So it's a good point. All joke, of the oceans but, uh, are the Atlantic Ocean. And some... The former home of James Madison University, the Colonial Athletic Association, has, uh, in the interest of all 12 followers they have, have rebranded. They are now the Coastal Athletic Association. Really? Yeah. <laughs> the Coastal. Which gives them the benefit of not having to repaint a single logo on any floor ever. Wow. Yeah, Budget moves. CAA. Yeah, we don't need to bring that back up. I know that's the sort of subject for you, Jason. Um, I've, I've moved on. I've grown. I've clearly, been dating a lot of clear, other conferences lately. Clearly grown. Um, App State is at North Carolina. North Carolina looking for their revenge for one of the most just bad games of the year last year that we um, that we took in. That was very fun and awesome. Uh, I I would say based on what I saw out of North Carolina, they look a little bit 
better suited to handle App State. I don't think this is the best version of App State this year either. I would agree. There's been some, some whispers. There's been some whispers. They, they've been they've been struggling. They struggled with Gardner Webb last week. It was like Oof. very tight in the third quarter. Bulldogs. They're not. This is not. Uh, you know who else? Not peak performance. Gardner Webb team. Once upon a time. Jim Calipari oh. and them Kentucky Wildcats. <laughs> that was the 2019 uh, national champion Virginia Cavaliers. Oh, <laughs> did was that the same Gardner Webb team that beat Kentucky in a preseason game and everybody freaked out about it? Yeah, Could have been. been. Something like that. Anyhow. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, UCF is at Boise. Again, this is just another one that could be fun. Um, and uh, Purdue is at Virginia Polytechnic and State Un- Institution, whatever they're called, VPI, uh, the Engineer Bowl. This this will be really fun for all involved. For Ag- two straight home games, especially that that niche portion of the Venn diagram. Ag engineers. <laughs> Wonder what an ag engineer is up to uh, these days. Virginia Tech is favored by three in this. Might have to plop some of them, them and some of my teasers as well. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Purdue's bringing a whole lot to the party. I've heard, I've heard nothing from the Purdue front to inspire <laughs> confidence. Your in. your Big Ten West champions last year, the Purdue Boilermakers. Lest my, you forget my how things have changed. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jordan, take us to Pickville. It's time. It is time for Pickville. Um, five games against the spread. You know what it is. We have all Saturday games this week. A return to thank, normalcy. Thank God. The old normal, as some would say. Um, we're going to start at noon. Notre Dame is at NC State. Notre Dame is favored by seven and a half. And Jason Crack gets to give us the breaking news. Not breaking news, to be clear. Um, I'm, I'm going to take Notre Dame. I don't. Yeah, I know everybody was big on uh, UConn looking frisky uh, last week. That's fine. They're still UConn. Uh, I don't think NC State's great. I think that spread is too small for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's got two games under its belt already. Mm. Um are they beat up? Do they have too many games under their belt? Yeah. Could, could Sam Hartman hasn't played but like <laughs> six quarters. Attrition has already kicked in on September 5th. Sam Hartman and... has had to reinsert the piece of his rib that he uh, wears around his neck and back into his body to, to fix like himself. Spare. That's it's where his a, power comes from. It's a spare rib, Logan. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he, wears the, he wears the China Express polo on the way in because he's got, he's got spare ribs. I would wear a China Express program. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I have one. It's my next golf shirt. <laughs> I picked okay. Anyways. Good talk. <laughs> All right. Good talk. Uh, I'm okay. also going to take Notre Dame here. I watched some of that NC State UConn game. Uh, the fact that NC State does not did not can create separation earlier than they did is a bit concerning. Um, it's okay to to consider that UConn has improved as a program, but uh, this is another one of these system overhaul. Dr. Bob is involved. Brennan Armstrong is involved. Oh, um, yeah. So Mar- Marcus Freeman <laughs> is familiar with what's going to be rolled out on the offensive side of the ball for NC State. Um, 
he may know it better than some of NC State's players at this point. Brandon so, Armstrong is involved. Oof. I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think games – I also think this is a, a vibes pick too because I think games in which NC State performs well as, as an underdog tend to be later in the evening. A nooner uh, mm. maybe negates some of that, that dark magic that potentially shows up. In, right. In the Wolfpack Stadium. So they I'll save it up cash. for like, yeah, Florida State on a Friday night or something like that. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah, I'll take Notre Dame as well. I just think uh, better quarterback. Um, we are still just, you know, speaking of, of vibes, this is the time of year where Notre Dame really builds their case so that they can fritter it away later in the year. So, yeah, I think I think Notre Dame is just pretty good, pretty complete. And I think NC State has got too many questions. All right. Uh, next, also at noon, they're back. The Colorado Buffs are back <laughs> in the card once again. We've got Nebraska traveling to Colorado. The Buffs are three-point home favorites. I am going to go ahead and take Nebraska here. I don't do this because I Such don't believe. Courage. I... I am doing it because this feels like a bit of a contrarian move to make. Uh, I hear that's good to do from time to time when making picks, but um, I'm just really fascinated to see how like Colorado performs now that there are expectations and eyeballs because going to TCU and being able to like, they had no pressure on them in that game. They got to play, play free relatively mm-hmm. loosely. Uh, no one expected them to perform well. Now that they have, the expectation is, oh, you're going to go ahead and beat Matt Rule and Nebraska, right? Um, maybe they will, but I'm going to take Nebraska here. I think maybe Matt Rule saw some of the things, Logan, that you mentioned about uh, TCU deviated from that could have some game helped. control. There's some game control yeah. uh, gains to be made. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, again, I liked what I saw of Jeff Sims playing QB for the Huskers against Minnesota. So I'll take Nebraska. Uh, Jordan, um, I'll have you know, I'm in a, uh, I'm in a, a, a pick em league, uh, 10 games, just straight up, no spread. <laughs> Guys, much easier. Turns out, much easier. No spread <laughs> involved. Um, I'm in second place. Not to brag, I missed I missed the Thursday and Friday games too. So you know, happened to happen to go eight and zero on uh, and with with two L's there at so the beginning. Sabotaged your way into second place. I am on Nebraska here as well, Jordan. I like Nebraska. Um, I think this is just the line is juiced in favor of Colorado here, based on um, a fun result. I think it's a good story. I think that the uh, the burdens of reality may come crashing in on and at Folsom Field this weekend on Coach Dion and the boys. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I don't know necessarily to how you back up like that emotional of a kind of outblast after the game um, as there was too. Uh, I think this is prime letdown prime. Let down spot here if you uh, if you see if you see what I did there, but um, and I, I mean, yeah, 
I, again, I feel like I'm potentially extending a lot of like benefit of the doubt to like Matt Rule's freaking Nebraska team that farted their way to a 10 to seven loss to Minnesota the other day. So it's not like, you know, it's not like they're without uh, the ability to fritter it away. I just, I think from like a muddy the game up and maybe make the game shorter standpoint, uh, I think that they'll be able to, uh, like I said, maybe, maybe do a little bit more game control type stuff that, that could, uh, prevent this one from becoming like the track meet that I think Colorado desires. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I am going to take Colorado. Uh, Not because I think Deion Sanders has changed football or because I think they're going to win 10 games or anything like that. I just don't have that much confidence in Nebraska to stop those guys in space. Um, Fair. I love what Sean Lewis did last week. I see no reason he won't do similar things. This week, um, I wish Nebraska didn't have two extra days to plan for this game, but um, I think, yeah, I, I think I, I just like those matchups. I like, I like those skill players in space against Nebraska's guys. I, I think Sean Lewis will continue to, to move Sanders around and get him out of the pocket and get the ball out quickly. Um, so I, I think at home they'll be just fine. All right, Sick. Logan, do you have anything you want to share with the class? No, I'm sorry. You were, okay. Just smart. to make sure we weren't... Occasional giggles. I'll, I'll, I'll send it content. to you. Um, third game of the afternoon, 3.30 p.m. Ole Miss is at Tulane. This is our only... Sorry, one of two top 25 ranked-on-ranked matchups yeah. we have this weekend. Um, I am pumped for this game. I cannot wait because this could get extremely weird and pointsy and maybe have some egg egg bowl adjacent energy to it. Um, Diet egg bowl. This is the egg white bowl. Hey, there you go. Uh, Ole Miss is favored by seven on the road here. Initially, that looked a little large to me, but I am going to let Logan pick first because it's his turn. Okay. Um, thank you, first of all, for doing you said it's a it's a clean seven, you said? Clean seven is what I saw. Mm. Hmm. So we could be staring down the barrel of seven I mean, pushes this weekend. Michael, don't call me Spencer Pratt is uh pulling pulling the trigger for Tulane. And uh he was a coveted uh he was he was a coveted guy that ended up not transferring. Did you guys know that? I did. Everybody was big. Everybody was big on the Tulane QB, one of the many uh, that should be wearing orange and blue right now instead of Graham Mertz, but it's fine. Um, I think I'm going to go with Ole Miss here. Their ability to run the football and do all manner of creative things, in my mind, should uh, give them the edge in this one. I think again, I I don't want to give too much credit to Tulane for what they did last year, because this is not last year. Uh, they were very impressive last year, but uh, yeah, I, I like I like Ole Miss going on the road here. Don't really feel like it's going to be um, that hostile of an environment. I imagine there will be a, a pretty solid Ole Miss contingent that makes the big trip to New Orleans for this one. So give me the ribs. It's a trap. Jason. Oh, God, it's me. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Tulane here. I like them Spencer Pratt and the touch, boys getting a touchdown at home. Um, I wish this was a night game. Feels like it would get weird as all hail. Um, but that was a 
That's a very solid South Alabama team that Tulane kind of did and dusted last night um, or last week. Uh, so I, I think Tulane's for real again. And I think, um, you know, I, I think they give up some on the talent standpoint, but they've given up some on the talent standpoint for the last two years and not shown any signs of giving the AF. So, um, yeah, I like them getting points at home. All right, I'm going to take Ole Miss here. Uh, I did watch some of that Tulane-South Alabama game, and what my eyes saw were maybe some talent discrepancies among the two rosters. That's not to say that South Alabama is a bad team or is not an adequate roster for they have a good they, they have a good defense, right? I think they they got a, like a pretty good defense allegedly. A plucky defense allegedly, but there was a lot of like oh, Tulane's got a guy wide open because he is just like half a notch above what South Alabama has on the roster. I don't know how many of those occurrences we will see against Ole Miss. Um Pete Golding is the DC at Ole Miss now, Jordan. That's crazy. What a circle of life. <laughs> um, Ole Miss has a, a, an interesting schedule. They um, they have Tulane, and then they have Georgia Tech, and then they they go on a little run, and they play Alabama, LSU, Arkansas, Auburn. When do they have a bye? Twenty-three, thirty-seven. Never. They have an okay, so they have a bye before Auburn, who they play after. Our, yeah, I don't know. They, their schedule's not easy. They they play Texas A&M and Georgia this year too. So, sorry, Ole Miss. Have fun, Good luck. Lane. Take luck. Uh, game four, also a three thirty contest. We've got two big brands featured in this one that's why i included them because national eyeballs are going to be on them despite the product maybe not living up to uh the the billing necessarily we've got texas a&m we've got miami also in the hard uh i am the stadium oh, yeah. Sorry. gets to remain named the hard because they won the bottle of battle of the miamis last week uh, right as right. as per the bylaws we discussed uh, on a previous episode, AM favored by four points here. Jason, what say you? God. I don't even want to watch this game. Oh, I do. And uh, I will. I'm in. This is potential. It says sicko mode potential, but also like I mean, somebody could just... somebody could come out of this looking very bad. Yeah, this also. is just Schadenfreude colon the game, and so that's right. fair. I, I, I've, I've fresh off me watching Florida beat yeah. McNeese by like four points uh, in like a rainstorm. I'm going to be so ready for this. That's fair. Perfectly reasonable. Um, yeah, I, I like a home dog. I'm going to take Miami. Um, uh, I will be honest with you. I don't know jack about either of these teams. It's the um, Sam's hot dog stand home dog of the week, the Miami Hurricanes. That's right. <laughs> Um, in terms of like why I like Miami or personnel matchups, I got nothing for you. Um, this just feels like uh, like a super gross game, and yeah, someone's gonna look really terrible, and someone's message message board geniuses is going to have a day on Saturday yeah. evening. Um, so yeah, this kind of game is great for college football. Let's do it. I'm psyched. I've come all the way around. 
in an NFL stadium in a soulless NFL stadium. It is just we get we like, get soulless Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino coming to strip town. Mall, the I college mean, football game. What a what a what a scene. Actually, I kind of like that stadium. I have a soft spot for that stadium. It's it's easy in and out, and it's got actually really nice really nice sight lines. In there. It's a pleasant experience. It is very pleasant. <laughs> um, I'm gonna take a And M here. I, I this just feels like a Jimbo like step on somebody's neck early in the season enough to get people's attention and maybe get like some eyes Southern. on the Aggies and it'll come crashing down later. Don't worry. But for now, <laughs> don't worry. This is Jimbo's time before hunting Jimbo's. season gets rolling and he's actually Jimbo's. focused on the football. Damn, he's got, he's got deer stands go set up here in a couple weeks. So he, um, yeah, the, at this point, the trail cams are doing all the work. Jimbo doesn't right. have to to fuddle or fit fiddle or fuss with any of the uh, the hunting tasks. Yeah, so Texas A and M played New Mexico. Really, really did a number on them. Put up fifty two big dogs on them. Uh, fifty two mini lobos, if you know what I'm saying. Aroo! I Jordan, I, I promise I'm not telling you here all 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 day, but. I like Texas A&M here because I think uh, I think people versus Texas A&M, you know, I think the West is there to be won by somebody. I don't think Alabama's awesome. I don't think LSU is awesome. I think Texas A&M could uh, could surprise some folks. So why not? You know, why not Texas A&M? Connor Wiegman coming to town. Evan Stewart is an awesome wide receiver. Keep an eye on him. Things of that nature. Uh, he wears number one, but. Uh, yeah, I just I, I kind of I think I believe in Texas A&M's defense here more than I believe in in anything else. Uh, more talent than Miami. It is a home game for Miami, but I mean, I don't know. This Jason, this game was unwatchable last year. I watched it, uh, and uh, it was really bad. But I, 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 again, I'm trying not to like let last year. I think last year's Texas A&M was a bit of an aberration. I, I want to say, I think that. Having Petrino, you don't you don't want to say you just feel that well way. I don't want you to would say love but I, if it I, wasn't I, right well I just think I want to be right so I want to think that it was an aberration <laughs> right there we go so um I <laughs> I just don't necessarily think that like that is who they are um just kind of like overall and after I think Petrino does uh bring a little bit more offensive cohesiveness to them so I, I like I like the Aggies here and I like their defense to sit on um, Miami. All right, fifth and final game of the card. This is the matchup that nobody can get enough of on pregame and more big, shows. more big brands, more big brands, more big brands. This is potentially the granddaddy of them all when it comes to big CFB brands. Uh, mm. We've got Texas making the return trip to Tuscaloosa to take on Nick Saban and the Tide. Alabama favored here by a clean seven points. Um, I really don't know what to do with this game because I feel like we have such a limited uh, sample size of Mr. Milrow playing quarterback for Alabama. Um, I think if Texas can get out to an early lead, I do not know that Alabama's offense as it is currently composed and functioning is built for 
a a quick come from behind, make up a lot of ground quickly situation. Um, but it's possible that they won't even be in that position. So I, I will take the proven commodity. I will take Alabama. Um, I think like this was a really close, really good game last year. I wonder if last year's game is influencing this at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people really want Texas to be good. Or, I think yeah. people really want Texas to be good too. Like every year, I'm not saying this is the, like every year we say it's Texas's year, but it does seem like every year we're, we're kind of like, sort of like, hey, Texas, you know. And look, I recruiting, want to be coaching. Good. Like college sure. football is more fun when Texas is good. But I'm going to take Bama. That's also like pretty fun when the lols are are rolling around out there, though. But you know, sure. that was more of a. Who was the former Texas coach? Herman, Tom Herman. He was more of a of a of a loller skater than uh, this a current guy. Loller coaster. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is at Bama too. Yeah, I'm gonna need to go with Bama. Their defense is really good, and I think Texas has some questions on the uh, the offensive line. Uh, that still need to be answered. And I don't know if you want to answer them week two at night uh, in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Um, I don't think Milrow, like, uh, I, Jordan, I think you're probably right in that. Like, I don't think you want to get down 17 points, but I don't think anybody wants to get down 17 points. So um, I don't know that that's like, just like a Jalen Milrow problem. Sorry. All my screens just turned off there. But with, back. with like Jalen Hurts or Bryce Young, that didn't feel like, oh, this is an insurmountable issue if they got down 14 or 17. They're like, oh, yeah, um, this, true, this but the score three times in five plays. Yeah, maybe I we just don't just know. We, we don't know the names of the receivers yet, too. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, maybe after this week, we'll know the names of two or three Alabama receivers that are the next um, really good ones. Uh, yeah, I just uh, – I get a tough time thinking that Texas – I mean, Texas, tr- like, tried their damnedest last year. I know that the quarterback got hurt, um, and they were, you know, in this the whole way. But Alabama's, you know, Alabama's defense really kept them in this game last year, right? So while they kind of figured some things out, Bryce Young, I think, was hurt. And I f- wasn't there, like, a very dubious uh, intentional grounding no call in this game, I feel like I recall, in the end zone? I think so. so there's some weird, some weird stuff there, but again, I think we all just kind of like do this thing where it's like, well, last year it was like the high watermark for Texas was a, a, a near miss against Alabama and uh, you know, at, at home. <laughs> and, you know, I just don't necessarily think that like that's repeatable. I'm happy to be wrong um, because, you know, you know, I don't, it's not like I'm out here rooting for Alabama to have great riches and successes. So uh, give me the tide against my better judgment and Jordan, you and I will ride the lightning together this weekend. Five and O oh boys. Here we come <laughs> back. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll join you guys on this one as well. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think that we agree. That line is, uh, much too small for Alabama at home. I know they have questions at quarterback, but this just feels like, I mean, Nick Saban puts made up quotes in players lockers in years that they actually are disrespected. So I can only, I mean, in which they actually aren't disrespected. So I can only imagine what he's doing right now. Um, oh, you the, know, the, he's, he's got Marty very, Smith on payroll. That's what I'm saying. All sorts of they, 
It's just going to be the angriest washer for four months straight. Unmentionables. Yep. Give me the tad. (laughs) Okay, there you have it. So we're going to go 5-0 this week. Jordan and I, Jason, you are not, unfortunately. Sorry. Um, But hey. We live to we'll live to fight another day. Um, Probably cool. Well, thanks for bearing with us, everybody. This has been a long episode, but I think that you'll find it valuable. Have enjoyed. I've in enjoyed. Forwarded, in case you fast forwarded straight to this point, please go back and listen to all of it. <laughs> please go back and listen to all of it. Notably, the grammar uh, conversation we yeah. started the we this, we butchered to start. So we, um, we know what our we know what our audience likes. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Finger it's the, the Wheel Route Podcast, everybody. We're on Instagram. Didn't mention that earlier. At Wheel Route Podcast, Wheel Route Podcast at gmail.com. The wheelroute.com is the website. You can stream the show there. You can stream the show elsewhere. Until we meet again, we love you. Go Gators. Go Hoos. Go Dukes.